You had me sign up for Skype. You rescheduled my interview. Do you amateurs even know what you're doing? Welcome to Amateur Hour. My name is Chris Davis, and joining me as always is Ben Gosshorn. How's it going, Ben? I am doing extremely well and excited to share this uh, conversation with Marco Carrizales, the president of Greenville Football Club, not football or anything crazy like that. It's a regular football club. But this is a club that, I'm going to say club seven more times before I introduce him. Clubby club, 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 club. Clubity club. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to share this conversation uh, and introduce you to a little bit more of the the mission of Greenville FC, um, what sets them apart, and some some changes this year as well. Um, a lot of good information to cover with Marco. You really are pushing to get the 2019 NPSL Fan of the Year, huh? Like you're just trying to push Lugnut out of the way. It's all right, Lugnut. And joining me and Ben now is Marco Carrizales, the uh, co-founder of Greenville FC. How's it going, Marco? It's going great. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing yeah, doing great. Very happy for having you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. It's uh, it's unfortunately a rainy Saturday here in Greenville, but um, you know that gives me the opportunity to talk to you guys. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So you guys are about to start your second season. What what are some things you would say you've learned from last season to make this an even better year for you guys on and off the field? Um. On the field, I think uh, I think we did well last year with kind of how we could operate. I mean, you know, as an expansion side, um, and really only having the opportunity to announce our club in in December and January, uh, we kind of had to to do a lot of um, you know legwork to get high level talent here. Uh, a lot of players, you know, who are playing with MPSL clubs, uh, s- semi pro clubs like like ours, and in, in, in different leagues, they kind of commit to clubs you know, in December, the winter window, um, cause they want to know where they're going to be in the summer. You know, if they know where they're going to be for summer school or if they were going to be home, you know, they like to get, you know, kind of those locked in early. So unfortunately last season, um, you know, we kind of had to, to, to bring guys in and, um, picking, you know, kind of the guys who were, were looking for places to go. Um, I think we still did well. We've just barely missed the playoffs in our first season, but, um, you know, on the field, this upcoming season is going to be a, a little bit different. Uh, in terms of the, the quality, uh, you know, we have a, a decent amount of core members who were with us in our first season, about 12 that are returning who, um, you know, were starters, uh, are starters at their school. Um, but then we had the opportunity to recruit from August. So, you know, Lee Squires, our head coach, had the opportunity to, you know, w- while he's coaching at Lander, uh, you know, his full-time job, he's he's looking at talent and he's saying, you know, kind of almost two different perspectives and saying, Oh, this guy could be great for the summer as well. Mm. So, um, from a recruitment standpoint, uh, you know, I just think that the lengthened kind of, um, scouting, uh, window is going to be really beneficial for us and the roster we have so far, uh, we're really happy with, and you know, it's going to be very competitive, um, off the field. You know, I think there was just things where, um, we didn't want to, as a first-year club, expansion club, you know, uh, we don't have the luxury of having a, a huge front office, and um, you know, our, our kind of our bandwidth was uh, at least our biggest um, downfall. We just, you know, we couldn't be in five places at once. Mm-hmm. So we've uh, at least 
tried to do in the offseason is see who we can add, um, you know, from a, from a front office standpoint because we need more hands and we can be in more places. And from an outsider's perspective, we can, um, you know, get a, get a fresh take and fresh perspective and, you know, renewed energy. And uh, so we've added some people in that realm that are helping us, you know, with whatever, whatever their backgrounds are, whether it's in events or, you know, marketing or digital, um, you know, they, they've really come on board and, and helped us and they'll be big time for us in the summer. So, uh, with, you know, off the field, I think game day experience is going to be, uh, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be kind of a bigger show, our new venue. It's, it's, it's much bigger than Furman, but, when it boils down to it, it's it's really not that much bigger. We have you know we have some more room for, uh, you know, two or three food vendors, uh, concession stand, uh, you know, pregame festivities, you know, in a parking lot. And there's some really cool bars and restaurants around the stadium that uh, we've we've been able to build some partnerships with that are going to run specials, you know, all day on game day. So mm. the fan engagement and act- activation and experience pre-match. Uh, is going to be you know much better uh, than I think our first season. Uh, Furman's great. I played there. I love it. Uh, but for some people, it's a little out of the way. Um, and if they're you know if they're trying to travel into to Greenville, they're, they're probably going to come downtown. So now we have the luxury of being downtown and having the opportunity to send people um, to places before our match. So uh, I, I'd kind of say you know learning was just how can we put on a bigger show, make it a bigger event. Um, and really kind of ingrain ourselves in the downtown uh, area. So That all sounds really exciting. Uh, and one thing you did touch base on that I was certainly curious on, um, the obvious uh, benefit with moving to Serene would be that downtown location. But what other factors contributed to making that move from where you played soccer in college to uh, that new stadium we're playing at, Serene Stadium? Um, well, you know, I think for us, we'll probably be renting for, you know, our, our history. I don't think, uh, you know, we would love to build a venue or kind of make our, a venue permanent, but, um, with renting comes, you know, obstacles, uh, you know, whether it's maintenance or, you know, scheduling or or what have you, you know, sometimes it's just not going to work out. So when we kind of saw the writing on the wall and unfortunately, you know, they, you know, for their programs, they, they needed to, to do some things on the field and uh, with scheduling and keep people off, which, you know, we, we have to respect. And I respect it just coming from that program. Obviously, I, I know that it's not our venue. It's, it's uh, you know, it's Furman's Field. It's their stadium. Um, but, you know, initially when we were building this club, we, we didn't we our eyes weren't only set on Furman. So Serene Stadium was actually our initial uh you know, ideal location for us, um, you know, building the program, but uh, it, it just wasn't going to pan out. And we were kind of under a, a short time frame and, and had to, to, you know, getting down to the wire. So we, we needed a we needed a venue, obviously, to play in 2018. And, uh, you know, w- in talking with Furman, it seemed like a great fit. It was kind of a, hey, let's let's get this off the ground. Let's see how it is. Let's, you know, try to get a big turnout, big following. And, um, and then we can, you know, evaluate and see where we need to go. Um, but, you know, just through connections, I was put in touch with, uh, you know, whoever's managing the stadium, the, the high school, the principals and, and the school board and just, you know, talk to them and said, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we're trying to do in the community. Here's, here's what we're trying to do as a club. You know, this is y'all's venue. We, we'll respect it. We'll, um, you know, do what we can to, to kind of make it our own on game day. But 
you know, outside that, we're, we're pretty easy. We, we come in, we do our thing, and then we, we make sure we kind of clean up, get everything back to how it was for, um, you know, the, the school that owns it. But it's a really cool stadium. I mean, the, the history of it has captured me. Uh, I've never been a history buff, but I found mm. myself just, you know, constantly looking at how the stadium was built and how it was funded. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was Furman's first football stadium, so it's mm. – it's kind of funny. Some people have said that, like, yo, you're, you're not really leaving, you know, Furman. You're back at Furman. And, uh, there's, there's little things that kind of are cool about it. The, the project in 1936 was spearheaded by a Furman alumni. I mean, obviously, it was, it was a long time ago, but it's kind of funny how full circle yeah. I'm an yeah. alumni and I'm kind of bringing this back to this venue that, you know, it's, it's for the high school. It's predominantly used for high school sports, so I, I don't think it gives the love and attention that it that it deserves and it's it's truly kind of um you know i wish more events uh city events and stuff were going there so hopefully um you know we can kind of spark that and and show people the venue and show how historic it is and um you know hopefully for others they might have an idea for an event and they can go there and then from there you know the stadium just continues to grow and build and become uh, even more part of the area so i'm really excited about it. it was um you know obviously with with getting people to, to allow you to use a venue, it's never easy, but um, right away they were supportive and loved the idea. Uh, so we're, we're excited about it. And, and, you know, it will be a different experience for us handling a game day um, just with having played at Furman for two years, three years. Um, I knew the stadium. I knew it's in and outs. Uh, I've never played at Serene Stadium as a, as a player, but, um, you know, I, I've, I've gone to – majority of their high school games this this uh this spring um to just check it out and get a feel for it and see how they operate it and see you know the, how, how people flow it and the best kind of ways to, to run a game day so it'll be new um you know there'll be hiccups as always but uh yeah. for the most part i mean we're planning on a big big season that's awesome that it sounds like in a way that you're going to be using that as an opportunity to rejuvenate something that's maybe been underappreciated in recent years in Greenville. So that's, that's a really cool opportunity to, to be able to do yeah. that and continue that history there. One, one yeah, thing I mean, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no I was, I was just going to touch on um, Detroit city FC, who's obviously in the MPSL, one of the biggest you know clubs in the MPSL. It's kind of interesting that uh, their stadium that they're currently at, uh, Keyworth Stadium, was actually funded and built in the same act that Serene Stadium was uh, in the Depression. It kind of was an act that, um, you know, when times were bad, they said, well, let's put down these stadiums in these areas and fund them to hopefully, you know, boost community morale. And, mm. uh, cool. you know, theirs is city-owned, so it's a little bit different. Um, but, you know, they've really made that their home. Uh, and we kind of look to them as, as like, oh, hey, they, they did that at this venue. What what are the, you know, they they raised almost $750,000 to renovate it. Um, they just raised uh, you know, half a million dollars, I believe, to put new turf. Um, and so they've really done a lot, you know, to, to get the community involved. Those were community-funded projects. And, um, you know, hopefully with people knowing Serene, because it's been here for so long, um, you know, we celebrate that history and can, can, you know, hopefully do some things like Detroit in the future. Awesome. Now, one thing we were curious, curious as well, um, with the Carolina Classico 
Is that going to be looking different this year? Is that, because I know last year, of course, it was involving both Milltown operatives and uh, the South Slope Blues. Um, but there are going to be any changes to that um, that rivalry this year that we can expect? Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, on the field, it's going to stay the same. I know in talking with, you know, our supporters group and they're in contact with the South Slope Blues, um, you know, and, they, and they're even on their end, like, how do we, you know, was the structure good? Uh, how do we, you know, make it better? How do we make it bigger? How do we get more people involved? You know, the point system, do we reevaluate it? And, so really, it's 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 kind of going to stay the same uh, for us on the field and us, you know, Greenville FC versus Asheville City. Um, but I think it's up to the supporters, and we've, you know, this entire time stayed out of it, which was kind of the coolest um, thing about it was that it truly is something that, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, the ideation was, you know, us Greenville FC and Nashville City kind of front offices talking, and then we presented it to our individual supporters groups, and they kind of ran with it and decided what events were going to happen in Asheville, what events were going to happen in Greenville. Um, so, you know, they're kind of doing their thing uh, on their end. Um, you know, I don't think it will change. I think it will just get bigger, uh, maybe a couple more events. But, you know, it was such a success and, and so cool that, you know, hopefully um, hopefully we can, we can pick up a lot of media attention uh, for it because I think it's truly unique. And um, I've, I've never heard of a a derby match where the supporters are kind of ingrained in it and they can actually, you know, determine the outcome. Uh, so that's, that's pretty unique and, and we, we love it. We love the, um, you know, the idea of it. So we, you know, we're, we're assisting them however we can, but, um, it'll, it'll pretty much be the same, hopefully just bigger and better. That's uh, awesome. We, we definitely had a lot of fun, uh, you went to both of them, right, Ben? Uh, last year, I did. Yeah. I, I only was able to make it up to the Asheville one, but like playing those little yep. games, the mini games. I think it was like cornhole and soccer pool or pool. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like you know, it's like pool table with soccer, yeah, and was, like that actually contributed yeah. towards points to go for the Derby. Who gets the trophy? I thought that was amazing. And uh, if I remember correctly, Milltown operatives more or less swept it. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, that that's that's a uh, pretty good yeah. bragging rights there. Fortunately, it was a full sweep on the field and off right. the field. So I, I know they were, they were they were pretty, um, you know, upset. I know they're coming for it, but I don't know. It looks too good in our office to, <laughs> yeah. to let it go this year. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make sure that uh, we keep her home. I got you. Well, I, I know we have some Asheville folks who listen to this podcast, so maybe they'll get a little riled up by that as well. So that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we. Uh, what I want to talk to you about now is uh, we call ourselves Amateur Hour because we love learning about amateur clubs in our area and the amazing things they're doing in our community, like y'all's uh, derby in particular. And we, we've seen some marketing strategies by professional clubs to try to differentiate themselves from amateur clubs in the area as if pro versus amateur is the only thing that matters. And being amateur somehow makes it an inferior experience. As someone who's in charge of an amateur club, what do you do to combat this sort of thing and let people know how professionally run your amateur club is? Um, you know, I'm kind of a big uh, believer in, um, you know, show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, at least from the onset, you know, what we uh, set out to do and just right out the gates, we knew that, hey, if, we're, if we want to be viewed as a high-level club, some, some, you know, something worth coming to and spending money on and watching, you know, we knew that we, we had to put on a, uh, you know, a very high level experience. And, 
you know, just down to the venue, down to our uniforms, down to our branding and our logo design, and uh, which you know we all did internally. My my you know brother co-founder as well. He, uh, him and I kind of uh, just concepted the the idea of the the branding, and fortunately he can you know uh, graphic design, and so we made the logo and we knew um, what was going to work, and uh, you know we 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 set out to. Um, from you know, if anybody who's coming to our social media channels or a game day or meeting our players or seeing our T-shirts or seeing our hats, we knew that hey, this has to be high quality for for us to be taken seriously. So it's more in the show rather than the tell. Um, for us, at least, it, it's kind of like come come to a game and, and tell us that it's not high level. Um, and, and if if you think that, then I'm ha- happy to talk about it. But I believe that um, you know we truly do put on you know, a very high level uh, experience uh, off the field as well as, you know, on the field. Our, our players are, um, you know, some of the best in the country. Uh, last season, uh, we had four players uh, move on to higher ranks uh, after playing with us. You know, they, they obviously have different clubs they've played for, um, but just to know that we were, you know, a part of their career and, and trajectory, you know, that helps us. And that's the stuff we can market. And from a recruitment standpoint, we're getting better players because they saw that eyeballs are on us and four guys went to, you know, higher ranks. So, um, and then hopefully scheduling some games, uh, you know, with some higher rank clubs, you know, that that's all great for exposure. And it, that's, that's the show uh, that we like to put on. Um, we can sit back and, you know, talk about, you know, this or that or whatever to, to make us sound like we're high level. But if we don't come out and put that product you know, on the field or at an event or uh, in our merchandise or, or what have you, then people aren't going to believe it. Mm. So um, we kind of combat it with that. And I mean, we see return on it. People just yesterday, I was walking downtown and I saw three of our t-shirts. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's just something that if uh, from for a majority, they might not even know the difference or care about the difference. They just say, hey, this is something I can rally behind that, um, you know, it's it's got my city's name attached to it, so I'm going to go support it. Um, and then once they get there, you know, hopefully we, we do a good job of capturing them and they come back. Mm. So we'll never really combat it in words. We'll just kind of combat it with, you know, the product we put out. Mm. Very good. It's good to hear from that perspective there. Now, something you did announce here in the off season was that uh, Greenville FC Academy. What made you want to start that, and, and tell us a little bit about the, how that system is going to work? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> fortunately, when I was uh, you know growing up, thirteen to essentially when I graduated high school, I was a part of a fully funded youth academy um, in FC Dallas, and you know we had everything paid for us. We traveled the world. We um, you know played. Uh, you know, very high-level European talent, and had the best players in the country, and won national championships, and it was great. And just you know, the the luxury of of uh, you know having that opportunity. Um, I I know at least some of my teammates um, you know couldn't afford the the youth clubs that I you know fortunately was involved in before I was with FC Dallas, and and I I'd never seen some of the guys that I was teammates with at FC Dallas, and you know I figured. Um, you know, with playing 10 years in, um, you know, uh, soccer uh, before FC Dallas, I figured I knew everybody. But then I got to this new club and it was fully funded. And that's kind of where, where, you know, some kids can come out of the woodwork and, you know, they might be the best player in the state. But for whatever reason, they, 
they can't play for a team because they can't afford it or their parents can't take them. So, you know, I grew up in that. And um, now that I'm in Greenville, what at least I'm trying to do is is implement some of my experiences and bring that. And um, so the, the academy was something that, you know, we always thought about and um, thought would be a great idea. But how do we do it, obviously, because there's, there's expenses, there's costs, there's you know, are we entering it into a league? Or are we just starting out where we're not entering it into a league? And, um, you know, with us being a smaller club, you know, we, we don't have the luxury of just saying, hey, I want to do this and we'll do it. Um, you know, it was a lot of hard work and essentially just saying, you know, we're at a point where, you know, I think it would, would be kind of big. Uh, we're not we're not doing this in effort to combat any, you know, youth club already here. It's more of like, how can we, you know, help, um, you know, assist players in, in their growth. And if there's more opportunities for kids to play, um, then hopefully, you know, they stick with the sport and ultimately that's how we get better. So, you know, with building it, uh, you know, we had to find sponsors for it, you know, uh, allocate a certain amount of our you know revenue from our, our first team to, to funding it. And um, we decided that the best way to go about it would be to, to, to not enter the academy into any formal leagues, um, you know, at this point, uh, that's a that's a whole different beast with traveling teams around and um, funding that. So, how it's going to work is, uh, you know, we opened up applications uh, six through twelve years old. Um, you know, their parents applied uh, at the end. You know, that was kind of another question. Well, how do we choose? And what you know, who are we choosing? And um, obviously, we weren't we didn't hold the tryout or anything. And you know, for us, we we, had, we sat back and said, okay, well, what do we want this academy to be and look like? And to, to provide so um, you know we held several youth camps and clinics in the past um, and what we were seeing was you know reoccurring faces and we kind of were wondering why um, and then you know we found out that their kids were not in club soccer because uh, you know maybe they couldn't afford it or they couldn't handle the travel or um, you know it's expensive uh, but they were very very thankful that we were doing something you know low cost that uh, you know their kids can be involved in because they love soccer and their parents you know want them involved in the sport. So you know it it stemmed from that. Like, hey, what if we did this more structured and kind of over a long period of time? You know, what would that look like? So uh, we, we kind of determined we're gonna you know have about a group of 25 kids, ages six through 12. Um, you know, we had over 85 parents apply. You know, their kids to be a part of it, and. It sucks because at this point we can't, you know, afford to take on 85 kids and fully fund it, and you know that's that's a whole that's a that's a big beast that would be. So you know we had to determine, you know, what's it cost per kid? The venue, obviously, we're going to have to rent it. We're going to have to pay, you know, coaches and players or whoever to to to, to coach these kids and run the clinics or, or the academy. So um, you know we figured 25 kids would be perfect and ideal to start off. It's easy to manage. It's you know, with three people, you can manage it, uh, you know, splitting up the group. Hopefully um, that, you know, six to six to nine year olds can can play with each other. And that's, you know, reasonable. And then the 10 to 12s can play with each other, but then also, you know, intertwining them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's about a third of the kids who were applied, their parents applied for them, you know, that they, they couldn't afford uh, you know, playing for a club. So we're going to structure it over the course of our season, um, have, you know, regular, regular trainings, you know, once a week, uh, for those three months, then, 
Um, you know, we're already thinking about, well, how, if it works out and it's a success, how do we keep it going for maybe an extra two months? So now we're running a five month program and maybe a six month program. Um, so, you know, just, just to start, we want to dip our toes into the water and not go full force and just, you know, cause I, all the while we're having to run our normal regular season. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's putting a lot more on us. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, the opportunity was there and it hasn't been done yet in Greenville. Um, so we, you know, we were just decided, Hey, let's just, let's go for it and do it. And, um, you know, let's just get it going. So we're pumped about it. And we've, you know, we've accepted our group of, uh, initial players there. Uh, we're, we're going to get started, you know, here within the next month. Um, you know, but unfortunately that means I ha we have to reach out to, you know, 60 kids or their parents and just say, unfortunately at this point we can't you know take you on it's uh it's just kind of on us it's just we're not really capable of of handling that many kids right now and funding that many kids so which um you know we got great responses from those people just saying hey we're just thankful you're doing it you know hopefully we can be a part of it in the future um so but even for us it's it's like well you know maybe it's that six to twelve now but then maybe it's 13 to uh, 17 and then that's where we can maybe build a true pipeline uh, as we continue to grow you know the club mm -hmm. so uh, we'll have a, a couple high schoolers who will be you know training with us this summer who came out to tryouts Lee identified them and said mm -hmm. just for their personal development bring them in train them you know if, if they see the field I, I'm not sure but even for you know their development they're going to be playing with 21 year olds 22 year olds uh you know very very high level talent so that'll expose them um you know to that to that really quickly and and even from lee's standpoint uh you know he sees it as an opportunity to say hey i'm, I'm looking at this kid already as a, a guy who's going to be with us for all four years of, of him in school uh so you know for, from the youth standpoint you know the academy is also you know very very uh big for us and, and that'll be great but even with our first team we're looking at how can we bring some of the local youth into trainings and you know uh, kind of ingrain them early so that uh, they'll you know almost kind of a homegrown scenario you know we can we can start them early and then keep them so yeah we, we've taken a lot of uh, we put a lot of emphasis on that and and just made sure that um, you know we're doing that to, to better those those kids absolutely is that going to be just boys for this year or is that boys and girls or is there an, an opportunity to expand that for girls next year if it isn't including them now um the, the academy is actually both boys and girls okay. so um i don't know the exact number off my head but yeah. it's it's split decently even mm -hmm. i mean we a far majority of people who applied were were boys yeah um, but we did have a lot of girls apply mm -hmm. uh and, you know they might have been uh you know a kid's sister or something but for the majority it was a lot of uh you know, girls who, uh, you know, just love the sport and, um, some of them, some of them aren't with clubs, some of them are. So, uh, but you know, at that age, um, and even in high school and stuff, there's, there's really not that much different. I think it's, it's going to be great for their, uh, you know, growth and, and technical ability. And, you know, with Asheville starting their women's team, I think that was, that, that put a lot of pressure on us because <laughs> I think people were looking at us and saying, Oh, so you, are you going to do it in your second year? Yeah. But, you know, just with uh, kind of where we're at now, we, we like I said, we, we don't want to 
jump too far into something and not be able to handle it and not be able to consistently put out a good product and um, you know grow the club and we didn't want to do anything detrimental to the club but uh, for the academy we, we really believe that it should be split boys and girls um, so that'll be pretty exciting and unique to see how that pans out um, you know so um, yeah you actually uh, more or less answered my next question in a way we were, we were going to ask a bit about WPSL um, yeah. and obviously like what, what I really like about what you just said you guys are taking measured approaches. You're not, you know, running before you walk. You're you're mm-hmm. doing what you can to keep the club sustainable, but also get more and more involved in the community. But with that said, you know, assuming things goes well and you guys continue to grow, uh, is there an interest to eventually one day maybe have a women's team as well to, you know, maybe help feed those girls in the academy some uh, women to look up to? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I think it's it's something that we've you know, definitely looked at and, and, uh, you know, said, okay, Hey, would this work? Um, you know, with the, with the time period of our season and, uh, you know, how, how would it work? How would it pan out? And, um, you know, we definitely looked at it, uh, and you're right. That could be, you know, two pipelines potentially built for boys and girls. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely something we're evaluating for sure. Um, you know, I don't know when we haven't put really a time frame on it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something we're definitely interested in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, of course, uh, it's hard for you to commit this quickly to that and stuff, but it's good to know that you guys are looking towards that and uh, that you're also having girls in the academy as well because it, it definitely seems to be working out pretty well for Asheville with their women's team, and uh, I think it's a good thing to have, uh, you know, if you can do it to get more of the community involved. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, we'll have, obviously, a Women's World Cup this mm-hmm. summer. So that that's going to be you know big time for us and, and with these academy players and and uh, you know exposing them to that and, and and kind of you know sharing with them hey this this could be you one day mm-hmm. um, so yeah that that's going to be definitely something we leverage and we're going to try to you know support and even though we don't have a women's team you know we'll we'll still definitely be doing a lot of events around it and uh, watch parties and stuff like that. Okay. And one thing I was curious on as well, as far as the MPSL, the trajectory of the league there with the Founders Cup um, coming up this year and then the the rumors of MPSL Pro or whatever they would end up calling that, of course, do you believe that Greenville has the interest of getting involved with that? or Because it, it kind of seems like you may be more involved with just growing it from the grassroots level um, locally and, and investing in the the youth in the area, or or do you have interest in going with the Net Pro or Founders Cup uh, option? Um, yeah, I think uh, you know what what essentially they were doing, um, and you know, since we kind of came out the gates hot and had you know good success and good following, mm-hmm. we were we were put in those conversations, and and it was something that it was just like, well, that's 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 big, you know, that's. Um, I'm not sure if we can do that. Obviously, like I've been saying, you know, we kind of take a measured approach to things. Um, but for them, uh, you know, a lot of these teams eventually wanted, you know, longer seasons and, and their clubs are at a point now where maybe they're eight years, 10 years into what they're doing and their fan bases, you know, they want to continue to have more matches and, and longer seasons and, uh, you know, uh, uh, stuff like that. And, um, it was something that the NPSL uh, and some people within it just said, "Hey, you know, why why can't these teams 
have that? Why can't they be something that we offer? Um, and there were some really, really big minds behind it. And, you know, I know there's, there's always Twitter drama with everything, but <laughs> um, look, looking at it, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, we're, we're currently building the foundation of us soccer and i mean it, it doesn't it's that's doesn't happen if you don't try things or take a risk mm. um so i mean even for these clubs i look at them and and just applaud them because you know they don't have to do this this is going to be a huge um you know calculated risk for some of them but they were saying well i mean if we're not going to do it then nobody's going to do it um, kind of, you know, the approach that we had with the club, uh, after I had, you know, been at Furman and graduated, I said, well, I don't know if, if somebody doesn't do it, then that would suck. So let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, you know, uh, I don't know if we're interested at this point, we're just, we, we kind of just stay in our lane and focus on us. And, um, obviously there's a lot of, you know, outside, uh, looking in and outside, you know, speaking in and, and all that, but, we just, uh, you know, we have what we want to do and, and what we're setting out to do. Um, so it, it's, you know, obviously we get asked and there's tons of questions, but um, we would just try to explain on, on what we're currently doing and how it's going to benefit the city and the players here. And um, But, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. I know there's tons of interest already in other teams coming in and going to that, but uh, it will still be very much um, – you know, uh, kind of NPSL staff. And I know there's going to be different operations, but nonetheless, it's, it's people we know and people who helped us get into the league that are really behind building this. So it is kind of truly unique when we sit back and just are kind of amazed, like, wow, we're, we're in these conversations that, uh, you know, I guess we don't, at the, at the, in the moment, we might not appreciate it, but looking back, it's like, oh man, we were in some of these conversations or at least we're listening to these conversations on you know essentially building what what the next step is for our players here in the u.s and ultimately building towards becoming one of the best um you know soccer nations in the world so it is truly unique i'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out i hope to you know since since they will be running longer seasons uh i you know there's tons of clubs in our league that i would love to go and watch but unfortunately, you know, our seasons are at the same time oh, and I true, can't yeah. go to their game. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, to catch a Detroit City match, um, you know, in the Founders Cup or go down or, uh, you know, go to New York and check out a Cosmos game. And so um, I'm excited about that and just seeing how it how it pans out. And uh, I know there's there's good people and good minds behind it. So, you know, for us, we're, we're kind of you know driven on what we're doing now. Um, we, we try not to think too, too far into the future, but, um, you know, whatever, whatever the best next step for us is, we'll, you know, we, we always evaluate it. So absolutely. That definitely wanted to thank you for taking the time today to just discuss the, what's going on with Greenville FC and, and everything, all things considered there. Um, it's really exciting just to, to get your perspective and an honest perspective of how the club's going and, and what they're doing in the community and really just, understand what you want to be in the community it's really exciting to hear that um yeah. i definitely wanted to thank you for taking the time to be a part of the show today yeah, thank you so much marco no absolutely i, I appreciate it anytime I'm, I'm i love talking about all this stuff so i can i could sit here for hours thanks again to marco so much for talking with us on the podcast this week uh 
very exciting to hear what's going on in uh, Greenville. And um, just to let you guys know, our next episode is going to be with Asheville City's Ryan Kelly. And speaking of Asheville City, we actually have some soccer. What? Yeah. Um, on their uh, website, it currently lists uh, a home game on Friday, April 26th against the Columbus Eagles FC for the women. That's mm. a friendly, if I didn't say it already. And then the very following day, Saturday, April 27th, the men host Tri-City Otters in a friendly. Uh, both games say stream coming soon currently on their website, so I assume that means you'll be able to stream them. So what? next week, we're going to have a little bit of soccer to talk about. Small taste. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sampling, if you will. So I'm pretty excited about that and to show you guys the, the Ryan Kelly episode. So shoot, that episode's going to be very Asheville heavy. It's going to be Asheville-centric. All righty then. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And um, Oh, wait, before that, yeah, I almost forgot. Wow. We are proud members of the Beautiful Game Network. And Ben, every week, brings you guys a uh, podcast of the week. So who is your BGN podcast of the week, Ben? My BGN podcast of the week is my favorite not very soccer soccer podcast. It's called The Other Football Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's run by three friends that basically just riff off each other the whole time. <laughs> um, they're over in like Las Vegas, I believe, or the western uh, part of America. Mm. But my favorite thing about the show is it's it literally it's just sounds like you're listening to people make fun of each other, essentially, in a nice way. They, they, they joke back and forth. Um, but also the titles of their episodes are just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, they had hiring as Marino. Uh, bah, woo, hiring Marino is like stealing a package only to find out there's poop inside. <laughs> um, just amazing things like that. Uh, I mean, there's a John Wick reference, which I don't understand, but shout out to Bobin, Villain, and John Wick 3. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I need to watch it sounds funny. Um, they sound really good too. Swansea is the fruit brood of English soccer. <laughs> um, it's they're really good, um, and I personally recommend it. I don't think that means anything, but there you Listen go. Listen to the soccer goose; he knows all. Ooh. And for the first thirteen people to subscribe using the code Amateur Hour, Ben has agreed to trade all his craft beer for your Milwaukee's best. Oh, I don't know if I like that. I did not agree to that. <laughs> this is a this is a very costly one for him. This might be his mo- like more feared than cleaning your car dressed up like a goose, or oh, okay. I don't remember what the first one we did. But um, I gotta come up with more elaborate ones every week. So, anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, we'll talk to Ryan uh, Kelly next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.